You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Um, you'd have to go to Delhi and, and Bombay and things like that, but in the southwestern part of the country, I remember we drove for hours and, and we never left town. We never left a town. You never got to the place. I mean, in Sioux Falls, you, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, you drive across the city, and then you're in cornfields again. Well, in India, imagine then multiplying the population of the United States by three, and then taking the size of the United States and shrinking it by three, and that's India. You have people everywhere, all over the place. And, and I'll never forget just watching people ride in, I mean, 20 or 30 or 40 people riding in, in, in small buses. I'm just hanging off the sides. People everywhere, everywhere you go. And if you're thinking correctly in those situations, you can't help but consider the countless spiritual needs of the faces in those massive crowds. It's good for us to remember that the world is much bigger than the small boxes in which we live. We focus on our world and we think, you know, our world, this is everything that's going on. And we forget that outside of it, compared to all that's out there, I mean, our world is fairly small sometimes. And it's good for us to acknowledge that. It's good for us to remember we, have a, we are small fish in a truly giant pond. Our life experiences may have convinced us uh, or may have us convinced that we've truly seen three things through a large lens, but there's so much more out there than our homes and our workplaces and our schools and our circle of friends. When's the last time you considered the multitudes? When's the last time you considered all the countless that mass sea of people out there, outside of the, lives that, the life that you're living in. We get so wrapped up in life, we forget 7.7 billion other people are alive somewhere on this planet. 7.7 billion. And even though it's hard to come up with solid numbers, the optimistic conclusions say that only about 2% of those 7.7 billion are born again. And I would say that's a pretty optimistic number. I don't know what the numbers are. It's hard to know and how people define that. But listen, if we believe the Bible, then we have to live each day with the reality that the overwhelming majority of people on this planet will spend eternity in hell. I know that's not an uplifting thing to think about, but we've got to be reminded of that sometimes. The vast majority of the people uh, that we come across every day that live on this planet will spend eternity separated from God. Everyone spends eternity somewhere, and we cannot grow complacent to the fact that most of them won't be in heaven. And we need to see the multitudes and envision them headed, in, headed for eternity somewhere. And here in Matthew 9, Jesus saw the multitudes and it affected him. And I wonder, does the thought of a multitude of lost souls, does it move us? It moved our Savior. Does it move us? It says in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And I want you to notice the progression here. It says in verse 36, first, but when he saw... First, he saw. 
Now, Jesus was busy with ministry. Look at the verse right before this. Look at verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So is Jesus Christ, is he busy with the work? Okay, is he moving? Is he busy? Is he active doing God's will? He is. He's active doing the will of his Father. And it's not like he's just sitting on the sidelines, and he's, it's not like he's just people watching, and he's noticing things. No, he's busy about the work, but he stops just long enough to see. And sometimes, folks, we're so busy that we don't stop long enough to see the multitudes of souls. I don't know, do you ever feel like your life is probably busier than it needs to be? And it's okay to raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. If you ever feel like your life is busier than it needs to be, I feel that way a lot too. But it does not preempt us from stopping and seeing people. Sometimes we're so busy we don't see the multitudes. Just, just today I was uh, driving on Arrowhead Parkway and I was headed back toward the church after lunch, and, and I stopped there on High Line, which is right there coming out of Menards and coming out of the Walmart parking lot, and there was somebody coming out of the, uh, off of High Line. They were turning west. They were turning left onto Arrowhead Parkway, and there was somebody coming out of the Menards direction, this direction, and, and I don't know. What I saw was that this person turning left had a green arrow. And they turned, and as they did, the person going straight just ran right into them, right in front of me. And so, and actually kind of spun the car close to where I was parked. And uh, I mean, you're just sitting there, you know, praying that, okay, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me. So I, I pulled my, my, the Tahoe over, and I, I ran over to the, the lady that got hit the hardest, and and she couldn't open either of her doors, and so I opened her door for her and, and asked her how she was doing, and her leg was injured, and she was, you know, you could tell she was shaken up because she had been hit pretty hard, and I looked over, and the other guy, he was out of his, his car and walking around, and he seemed fine, and she didn't, so I stayed with her, and I called the, uh, the police. I, I dialed 911 and, and just waited with her and didn't, couldn't really provide much help, but um, you know, just standing there and, and helping as much as I could. But you know, in all of that, here's the amazing part, because it was right after lunch uh, on a busy street in a busy area, and guess how many cars stopped? One. Me. I was sitting at an intersection with other people next to me. There were people on this side, and they were coming that direction. There were people on all four streets coming into the intersection, and nobody else stopped. As I stood there and, and I talked to the lady in her car and I would look over behind me at the guy, he had ended up over by the light pole across the street and he never once came over to check out to see how she was doing. Nobody stopped. The guy who I believe whose fault it was never came over. Maybe that's why he never came over. Because he knew he was probably at fault. He never once came over. He just stood outside his car the whole time. And I, and I, it was just, it's shocking to me the whole time talking to this lady. And I, what I noticed in the middle of all of it is how many people were laying on their horns because traffic was backed up due to the accident. And in my mind, I'm thinking, these people are too busy to even stop and see how someone's doing. They're so anxious about getting where they want to go that they're laying on their horn because their life has been interrupted for a few minutes. 
And it really was an eye-opening experience, a reminder of how self-focused we, are, we, we tend to get in our lives. We get so focused in, on our little worlds that, that we've got to get things done and we've got to get from point A to point B. But we have to sometimes, folks, we've got to get in the habit of stopping to see people. Stop and see the multitudes. Stop moving and just think. Consider that that person will spend eternity somewhere. When we stop to see, it gives us compassion. Compassion is to be moved as to one's inwards, the bowels of compassion. You've heard that before. In in this culture, they thought that was the seed of your emotions. That's how deep it goes. To have great sympathy toward the suffering of another person. That's compassion. If you've ever had uh, one of your children, parents, that were in great pain or, or, or uh, just had a, they couldn't be consoled and they were, they were heartbroken, you know what compassion is. If you have a loved one, if you've ever had a loved one that was in great pain or you couldn't console them, you know what compassion is. Well, Jesus Christ saw a multitude. I mean, strangers. Now, now, we know that they're not strangers to Jesus Christ. He knows who they are. But this multitude, they were full, it was full of strangers. And, and Jesus Christ had compassion on them. He, he is a man of compassion. Consider his public ministry. He lived his life meeting people's needs everywhere he went. He was a man of compassion. He had compassion on the blind and the lame and the orphaned and the diseased and the poor. That was the mode he stayed in. He never got out of that mode. I mean, I came out of the, the restaurant yesterday, uh, Colin and I, Colin Crable and I stopped and we, we went to, a, uh, we ate lunch downtown and, and uh, I came out and as I did, I had leftovers and, and uh, which is, doesn't always happen, by the way, I had leftovers. There's a guy sitting on the bench and, and he just looks up at me and he says, hey, do you have any, do you have any change? And, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't always get approached like that, but this time I happened to and I didn't have any cash or change on me, so I said, I don't have any change, but I, I've got some leftovers here, more than I need to eat. And I gave it to him, and he was grateful for it. He was thankful for it. You know, and I walked away, and I was like, man, I deserve a, a medal. I mean, that was pretty thoughtful of me to do something like that. Did you know, Jesus lived his whole life that way. His whole life was about walk, just walking around and meeting people's needs. I wonder if we as God's people were ever, would ever be able to set aside our schedules, to put our task lists aside, and let's just drive around and see what needs we can meet in people's lives. You know, people say, well, that's radical, and that's, that's revolutionary. Well, that's what Jesus Christ did. He literally just went around, and, and it says he... Well, he taught in the synagogues, and he preached the gospel, and and along the way, he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. That's what he did. When's the last time maybe you just got in your car and just drove around Sioux Falls and thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to come across, but I'm just going to go try to meet somebody's need tonight. See what I can do to be a blessing to somebody. That's the kind of compassion we need. For me, it was an exception to give my, my leftovers to a guy sitting on the bench downtown. But for Jesus Christ, it was his way of life. And last I checked, we're supposed to live the life that looks like Jesus Christ. 
But there seems to be then something more even here. Matthew records how Jesus was affected seeing the multitudes. What did, why, what did he see that moved him so much? Again, look at verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Here's why. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They were faint, they faint, were faint. It says they fainted or they were faint. And sometimes that means to be weak or heartless or lack courage, but that's not what it means here. It means that they were weary and tired in body and soul. Have you ever looked, have you looked around lately? You say, well, everyone's got a mask on. I don't know if they're fainting or tired or not. It's hard to tell. No, you can see it in their eyes. You can. Just, just pay attention and like, just maybe get your head up and look around. And, you know, the eyes, the eyes are the window to the soul, they say. And there, you can tell a lot by somebody's eyes. In some ways, the mask kind of makes us look into somebody's eyes. And you can see a lot in people's eyes these days. The looks of people that we cross paths with, they're saying, I'm worn out. Not just physically, but spiritually. You think about this year that we've been through, and, and we've been through the pandemic, and we, we've got COVID on our, our minds, and, and people have lost jobs, and their, their 401ks are probably not doing very well, and, and things are just out of order and out of sorts. And you look around, and man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that, that are tired. They're fainting. I liked when I, my, my wife, and we don't go to the mall very much, but when we have gone to the mall, uh, my wife and the girls, they've got, they map out the stores they want to go to. Well, I map out the most convenient places to sit. That's what I do. I've, I've got Jace convinced that's the best part about going to the mall. We're going to go find a place to sit. And, and what he likes is to go find those massage chairs. You can put about $5 in that, and it's like 15 minutes of bliss, okay? I mean, some of it hurts, you know, it feels like the chair's sticking its knee in your back, but, but a lot of it feels good. It does your legs, and I mean, I could just sit there for a while, okay? But I also like to go to the mall and sit just because it's, I'm people watching. There's not, there aren't many more interesting things than people watching, and that's not, I'm not being creepy about it. People are interesting, if you look closely, the countenance of most people tells their story. There's a lot of unhappiness in the world, and you can see it on people's faces, and they're spinning their wheels. And listen, if the vast majority of people don't have Jesus Christ, they're not finding satisfaction in their jobs. They're not happy with the way their family is going. They're not, the car they're driving is not helping them. The house that they have is not satisfying them. Their social status and, and their vacations, it's not giving them what they're looking for. The world is fainting. And Jesus saw it during his ministry. Their, their countenance said, we, we've tried to do everything that the Pharisees and the elders have told us to do. And it doesn't help us. We can't possibly do everything the Pharisees and, and, and the elders and the scribes are telling us to do. We're spinning our wheels in religious mud. I mean, if, if he looked at them and on their faces it says, we're being oppressed by Rome. We're weary. He's looking on their faces and they're saying, we're working and we're, we're toiling and our money is just being stolen by tax collectors. That's what Jesus saw. They were weary. And when he saw it, it moved him inwardly and he longed to give them rest. He wanted to help them. He saw them as scattered sheep having no shepherd. That's what 36 says. And the unsaved are, are scripturally, they're compared to wandering and lost sheep. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Bible says it, Isaiah 53. The scribes and elders, they weren't shepherds. They weren't guiding people to light or truth. They were placing demands on people that nobody can meet. The Romans weren't shepherds. They were taskmasters. I mean, everywhere these people looked, there was somebody snapping a whip. I mean, figuratively, but that's how they felt. Scattered sheep. They're aimless. And I don't know a lot about sheep, but, but I know that if they don't have somebody to lead them, they just simply exist and they're afraid of everything. They're defenseless. They're vulnerable to every danger. They're useless. They cannot produce what they're intended to produce without a shepherd. They can't do it. The Creator came as a man and walked among His creation and listened. He knew what He designed them to do. He knew what He wanted those people to be and what He wanted them to experience. He knew that every man and every woman and child is to bear God's image and worship and serve God with purpose. As we talked about Sunday, every person is meant to live in nearness to God and enjoy God's blessings. That's the design for your life. That's what God wants for you. That's why He created you. But this life, if we live it our way, instead of wearily wandering through life, I mean, instead of experiencing the joys of life, we just wander through life. We're, we're in despair and hopeless like sheep. And it moved Christ to see the sea of people that were missing out on their purpose. They were fainting. So look what his compassion moved him to do. Verse 37, Then said he, saith he to, unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And when he had called unto him uh, his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Down in verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So no, notice this. The compassion of Christ didn't allow him just to glance in pity and then go on about his business. Well, I've got people to heal. There's a leper over in Nazareth. I've got to get over there before dark and heal him. Now, I've got stuff to do. No, he saw the multitudes, and it drove him to, make, to go into action. He was moved into action. And this wasn't like the people who witnessed the car accident today who, who glanced and all, you know, they were rubbernecking, you know how that works, and, and they're looking to see, you know, what drama can I catch and on my way by? They were just looking to see, you know, interested, but none of them had any desire or intention to stop and help. See, they were, they were looking, but they weren't looking enough to go into action. Yet Jesus Christ saw the multitude, and it says that when he had called then unto him his twelve, he gave him power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. And it says he gathered the twelve, and then he sent them forth, and he said, you go and you preach the message of the kingdom. That's what he told them to do. Action here. Compassion moved Christ to call for prayer for laborers, and then it moved him to send laborers. See, Christ knew that the sheep were weary, so he prays. It's the first thing he does. He, they were in, what's interesting, it says that the harvest is, is truly plenteous. You know what he's saying there? He's knew, he knew they were weary enough that if somebody would take the message to them, they'd probably receive it. 
They were tired of the lives they were living. And if someone would come and with the right spirit and the right presentation to say, we ha- I have a message here that can solve the, the, the lack of peace in your life. They, that, that he said the harvest is plenteous. He's not saying and there's no one that will listen. You just go preach and if you find one or two, maybe. No, he said the harvest is plenteous. The fields, he says in another place, are white unto harvest. Folks, listen, the worse, the worse that things get, the more ready people will be to accept the shepherd. Think about that. And things are getting worse and worse, aren't they? Things are waxing worse and worse, as, as uh, Paul wrote. Things are getting bad and they're getting worse. And last night was just another testament to how bad things can be in our country. And, and we're in a poor state. We're in a poor condition and yet I do believe that if we will right now get a burden for the lost sheep who are weary and tired of all the things that life is offering them, if we would simply be servants that would take the message of Jesus Christ to them, I mean, I wonder how many of them might be ready for it tonight. They're tired of the life they're living. So that's the problem, he says. There were too few to gather in the wandering sheep. He said the harvest is plenty. But it's the laborers. That's the problem. Jesus didn't say there aren't enough people to go out and reach. No, he said there aren't enough to go out and reach them. He, so he prays to, to the Lord to send laborers to gather in those sheep. And it makes you think, listen, it makes you think if we don't regularly pray for more laborers, we've likely lost sight of the multitude. If praying for more laborers doesn't cross your mind or enter your prayer list on a regular basis, you've likely, and I've likely, lost sight of the multitude. If Jesus Christ, if this was something that he is saying, I'll pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers, and yet we don't ever pray. This is a prayer request Jesus Christ himself prayed, and yet maybe it's not on our lips very often. Compassion moved him to pray. Compassion also moved him to send out the twelve. He gave him power. He sent, he sent them to where the multitudes resided. He sent them to the cities and the villages. And he, he told them to expect varying responses. Some would be like wolves, but some would believe. The application is if we aren't actively taking steps to gather sheep, we've likely lost sight of the multitude. If you're not praying that the Lord of the harvest sends forth laborers and you're not actively seeking to reach, then probably I I would say it's very likely that you've lost sight of the multitude. You've lost sight of the need. The multitude motivates us toward missions. The multitude moves us to missions. The sheer number of those dying without Christ should be all we need to get passionate about missions. And here's the process. If we will see like Jesus saw, we will feel like Jesus felt, and then we'll do what Jesus did. If we will see the multitudes, if we'll see like Jesus saw, it will cause us to feel like he did because he had compassion, and then we will do what he did in that we will take action. If we're not taking action It's very likely because we've lost sight of the multitude. It all starts with seeing people as souls who will spend eternity somewhere. I remember in Bible college, my my second year, 
of Bible college. I worked at a hotel, and I was, I was a, a, a bellman or a, a bellboy, if you want to call it that, back then. I was, still, I was 19. I was a bellboy. And I would stand at the door, and I would help, you know, open the door and then help people with their luggage. And, I, I mean, I could make some real serious money if, as tour buses would come through. Southern California, everyone, these big, giant tour buses with 100 and, I mean, these tours with 200 people sometimes. And, and I would be responsible to take every bag to their rooms, and, and I would get a dollar a bag. So start doing the math. And, you know, 1997, I mean, I was making some pretty serious money. But there were certain groups of people that would usually find ways to not pay me after I took their bags up to their rooms. And I got to the point where I was angry and somewhat, I might even say, bitter. I had a bad attitude toward certain people from these certain tour groups. And I remember just being somewhat sarcastic and, and not very friendly when they would come in. Until one day, the Holy Spirit prompted me about my sin and said, why don't you stop looking at them like a tourist and start seeing them as a soul? And I'm telling you, it transformed the way I dealt with people because I was no longer seeing them as somebody who's probably going to stiff me of my tip. I was now seeing them as someday when they die in eternity, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. This is a soul that God loves. And you know what also happened in all of that? It seemed like my tips started going up too. I don't know how it worked. That's how God works sometimes. And it all starts with seeing people as souls who spend eternity somewhere. And if, listen, if you're not engaged in missions, and I'm not just talking about your neighbors, I'm talking about your giving, I'm talking about your sacrifice, I'm talking about your prayer, I'm talking about your support, I'm talking about your willingness if God calls you for you to be the one that goes. It's not just about money or priorities, it's about the fact that maybe if we're not engaged in missions, we've stopped seeing the masses. We've stopped seeing the multitudes, 7.7 billion. And whether or not that seems reachable, we're commanded to try. And that should be our moving motive toward missions is the multitude. It's a lot of M's, but I was, I was pretty proud of that. Our moving motive toward, toward missions is the multitude. That's what prompts us to say, I want to get involved in this. Because the task is great. They're out there wandering aimlessly. They're in high-rise apartments and low-income housing. They're as lost as the other. The the ones up in the skyscrapers making million-dollar deals, they're just as lost as those down in the streets. The the sheep are just as faint in the United States of America as they are in the most unreached part of the 1040 window. So how are we going to be moved and motivated? Well, we need to see them as Jesus saw them. Debbie Guyman on Sunday night, she showed that video of those Ugandan children. And it affected me. I wasn't even expecting it. But, you know, it, I was moved at the need for somebody to love those kids. And I thought, what if that was Jace? What if that was Lacey? What if, what if those were my kids? What if... Those were our children over there, and their parents are gone, and anybody that wants to could take full advantage of them unless somebody steps in and loves them. 
The reality is, though, all around Sioux Falls, from Baltic to Brandon, from Hartford to Harrisburg, there are enough people here to, that should elicit the same responses from us. It shouldn't take a video um, to remind me that every person I see and saw today is going to spend eternity somewhere. I must live my life like that matters the most, whether in who I tell or how much I give or if I'm willing to go myself. There's a book. It's a great book. I mean, I don't endorse everything in every book, but it was a challenging book to me. It's called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven by Mark Cahill. And he said this, 300 million years from now, what will be the only thing that will matter? Will it matter how much money you made? Will it matter what kind of car you drove? Will it matter who won the NCAA football and basketball titles this year? No, 300 million years from now, the only thing that will matter is who is in heaven and who is in hell. And if that's the only thing that will matter then, that should be one of our greatest concerns right now. So do you see the multitudes? Seeing the multitude should move us to missions. Maybe it's time for us to get our eyes up and look past the little worlds in which we live so we can see what Jesus saw and feel what Jesus felt and then take action and do what Jesus did by praying for and sending laborers. Even if it means you and me, folks. The multitudes should move us to missions. Let's stand together, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have an invitation. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.